uh, you know, we finished up Galatians last week, so uh, tonight I want to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 11, and uh, kind of probably will we'll, we'll hash some things that you've heard me say before, but I want to go a little deeper into those things and explore some parts of that that we haven't, but uh, I want to kind of, again, as always, I only know one way to be, and that's real, is that okay? Uh, just to kind of be honest with you, um, you know, a lot of preachers may you know, want to just pump you up and you to feel a certain way. And as long as you leave kind of charged up with an emotional high, they're okay. You know, I hope you leave here feeling good as I just prayed and charged and encouraged. But sometimes the things that we need to hear may not be the the things that are just going to make us feel good all the time. Does that make sense? So that's that's what I kind of want to get in today. Um, usually on Wednesday, and I don't take anything for granted, I pray if you came into this place tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I hope the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, and before you leave, you determine and decide that you're going to make the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Savior. Amen? But I also know a lot of the people who come on Wednesday nights are people who have been in the faith. You came to just sort of get that encouragement to get you through the week. You came to go a little bit deeper. So I'm probably talking, uh, more than likely, to a lot of saved people. And, and how many of you remember when you first got saved? Anybody in here remember? Uh, you know, I know people ask that, you know, the exact moment. Some people are like that, and then some people are just like, well, man, it's been a journey. I just know there's been many different markers in my journey where I know that in that moment I, I knew I was convicted and I repented. There was another moment where maybe I wasn't living quite right. There's another moment where the Lord got my attention and I rededicated and went after it. And that's, that's all good. But here's, here's what we don't realize, I think, when we first get saved. If you can think back to those moments, at least early on. I think we think we get saved and we start feeling good and we get charged. Y'all remember that? I'm not going to go as far as saying that. <laughs> that would be hard. But if you don't remember that, maybe, you know, kind of re-examine it. But I do remember the, the charge of feeling that my sins have been forgiven. I'm in the kingdom of God. The Lord loves me and I'm forgiven. And I just remembered having the feeling that I was on top of the world and there wasn't anything that could stop me. And that's good. I'm not here to, to, you know, put down on that. But I also didn't realize then what I know now. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, man, I thought that I had the world in my hand at that point. The, my ship had come in, literally, the old gospel ship. I planned to take a trip. I mean, anyway, but, you know, I thought that happened. It had come in, and, and we were going to go on and sail on the glory, and I could just... But I didn't realize that that was just the beginning of a journey. And I still had a whole lot to learn. You know, I'd, I'd be the first to tell, because you know, my personality when I was growing up, things kind of came to me sort of quickly when I was a kid, and in turn, that I'd, I didn't have to work hard to, to learn stuff. And what I mean by that is I could almost read something or look at it, or really even I was a pretty good auditory learner. I didn't even have to read. If I read it, I was going to know it. But I could also sit in a classroom and just hear people talking about it, you know, history facts, and I would kind of come to my mind. I wish that was still the case now, and then this thing called age, I guess. But back then, you know, I didn't have to work super hard. to. I learned to read when I was three, so all those things really just came naturally and easy. I can't really explain why other than Sesame Street and Wheel of Fortune is what my folks said. But, uh, but other than that, things like that always came sort of quickly to me. And so that became a problem once I got older and I started getting into grades and I started especially, it really hit me once I got to college because everything had always come sort of easy to me. So what did I expect? So the moment I hit a wall and I realized, oh, you mean I may actually have to study? Seriously, I'm not saying it it's just the way it was. I, don't, I can't remember one single time actually studying through high school. Like actually the thing where people get out a book and have to go through it and over and over again. 
maybe a handful of times, but I was just usually able to get by. I get to college and I realize, you know what? If I don't study, I'm going to look crazy because I came in with a pretty good ACT score and GPA and here I was my first semester and I had all like all C's and I was like, what is going on? I can tell you what's going on. I realized I had a lot to learn and I realized I had to change my ways and I struggled through my first semester, but guess what? Eventually, I don't get to say this, but once I learned and figured out what I needed to do, I finished with A's the rest of that degree. Why? Because I found out I had something to learn. Well, listen, I'm telling you in our spiritual walk, if you just get saved and that's where it ends and you think I have everything I need, this is as far as I need to go, I feel everything I need, then guess what? You're going to have a lot to learn and it's going to be a hard journey for you. Is this okay so far? Nobody's leaving yet, so that's good. Listen, and here's the, here's the hard part about that too. Not only do you have a lot to learn, but guess what? I can't just zap it into you. If you don't know what that means, you know, we kind of come from spirit-filled background. We, and again, I, I love it. I'm, it's a part of our culture. So when I say this, I'm not saying it in any kind of derogatory way. But we love to, to come to the altar and we love the idea of, man, if we have a need, somebody's going to lay their hands on me and the Holy Spirit's going to move and sometimes the Spirit's going to come on us and we're going to feel things and we're going to experience things and that's, that, and that's great. But because we love that so much, that kind of became the answer to all of our problems. And I'm not telling you the Lord isn't the answer, but that particular act isn't going to solve your discipline problem. Is this okay? That act isn't going to solve you continuing to make poor decisions. The Lord isn't just going to magically, through, through that kind of transference, make everything okay. They're going to have to go through a journey. Is this all right? We're going to have to go through a process. It can't just simply come from a book. Man, I love books. I'm an English teacher. It's kind of my thing. No. No, nothing wrong with books. I think people should read books. It's kind of a problem. I won't go on that sorry. But read books. It's good. You know, we have pastors doing a discipleship class right now, and I saw him Sunday when he came back. He was, man, he was dishing out books. Books are good, but those books alone aren't going to give you everything you need. Lectures, man, I'm sitting here and I'm giving the word, and I hope you're going to learn something tonight. Pastor, man, he delivers the word every Sunday, but these, these sermons alone aren't going to do it. You're going to have to walk it out through process. They're going to come from your experiences. Does this make sense? Listen, I'm a teacher and an educator by trade. I'm going somewhere. Y'all just think right now maybe I'm stalling, but I'm not. I'm, just, I'm an educator by trade. It's literally what I do for a living outside of working for the church. It's, it's kind of a part of it, and they kind of go together perfectly. I educate here. I educate there. I just educate. It's great. And listen, I, I pride myself in trying to do my best to be able to deliver material in a way people can understand. I like to be able to explain things and hope that you can understand what I'm saying. Even if I use a word that somebody may not know, hint, hint, wink, wink, it's somebody in here. I'll even try to go give you a different word and make sure you can understand it that way. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know, that's what I try to do. I try to make sure. But listen. As good as I may be or, or try to be at my job and as much as I break it down for you, the greatest educator, you could sit in my class for five years and hopefully you would learn something, but the, you can learn more in five minutes of a real-world experience than you ever will sitting and listening to the greatest teacher on the man. Does this make sense? You know, my mom lectured me all the time about stuff. I could recite the lectures right now. Guess what? It didn't do a bit of good until I found myself in a situation and the first time she said, see, I tried to tell you. 
It's her favorite word. She even still to this day, and she'll probably watch this tomorrow, and she'll could call me. But I tried to tell you, that's her famous word. And you know what made me mad is she was usually right. She did. But until I went through the experience of knowing, yeah, you should have put some money back, son. There, you're, you're, you're reaping the, you, you know, you're reaping the consequences now. Yeah, you shouldn't have did that. You shouldn't have said that. I tried to tell you. Experience is what's going to give you that process. Listen, we're all going to go through pressing and purging. This is the part where I told you. You're like, this isn't making me feel good. <laughs> it's a lifetime process. And so for this reason, we're all going to feel pressure. Again, you've probably heard me say this before. Uh, there's, a, there's like a tension, a, national, a natural tension that in the body of Christ we always feel. Is this making sense? Like there's always something. That's, not, that's kind of the way that we always use it, that, that phrase. And I think you know exactly what I mean when I say it. It's always something. You ever hear, have a conversation? Just casual conversation, walking down the hall, going to the water cooler. Oh, it's always something. And what we mean is this. Because even if you're, whatever problem you're facing in this singular moment right now, if it were to be solved tonight... You kind of think, oh, I'll, I'll be great. Oh, everything will be great. The next few months are just going to be bliss. And then the next day, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to be something. It's a lifetime process. This reason, everybody in the place is going to feel pressure or tension. We zone out. You feel it. Sometimes, even tonight, you went out there and, and was eating in the gym, and, and I'm sure it was good, and you, 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 you plotted through it. But even you ever sat down and even though the food was good and you sat down and was trying to eat it, you just could it was just like, I don't even want to eat. I just don't feel until I get this done. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? And here's the, the thing I need to get, okay? And this is where, again, especially in this day and age, I'm glad we're out of October, but uh, this is kind of what we, where we come to the problem is we start feeling that way, oh, there's something in us that's kind of wrong, there's a tension, there's a problem, and guess who we blame it on? The devil. Oh, it's just the devil. It's the devil trying to possess my soul and control. And listen, again, I don't make light of anything of that nature. I'm not speaking against any of the powers that the enemy has, but I'll be the first to tell you that there are a lot of things that we give the devil credit and glory for that had nothing to do with him. I think it's time we, the church, instead of, you know, keep harping on that, let's glorify who we serve, who's more powerful every any day. Amen. Listen, it's not the devil's trying to get you. And again, don't misquote me. The devil is out seeking whom he may devour. I believe we do have an enemy. I do believe he does uh, attack and he does fight. But a lot of times the pressure that we feel, the things that were, the struggles that we feel, the things that we're going through, we're not from the devil alone. They were just simply the things that we have to endure in life. You know, when I get a flat tire, it's easy for me to say, man, the devil just don't want me to have a good day. No, those tires have been bald for years. You should have changed them. Man, I grew up in small churches. What everybody said, you go in, you go into a revival or a concert, and man, the sound system start popping. Man, the preacher would get up there just all spiritual. We're going to bind Satan right now. This sound system is not going to affect. And I'm, again, not trying to be crass at that sound system was made in 1965. What did you expect? Does this make sense? 
In other words, sometimes life just happens. Sometimes the dryers and, and the washers break, and sometimes your cars have to be repaired, and sometimes, you know, the, an uncertain thing happens and you have to pay some money. Listen, we, we blame all those things on the devil and it's a spiritual attack. No, your reaction is the spiritual attack. How you handle and react to those situations is where the spiritual part comes into play. Is this okay? The devil's not in the items. He's just in your mind when you're trying to react to them. That wasn't even what I was wanting to preach, but man, that's good. <laughs> that was good stuff. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But let's move on there. So here's the part that we think the devil's trying to get you. But listen, God actually designs for us to go through obstacles. He designed for us to go through conflict. He puts things in our mind, in our lives that we have to overcome. Listen, this thing of living is really nothing less than a pressure cooker, if we want to be honest. And I know, we, again, I'm, I preached this in the last few weeks when Paul was talking through Galatians, you know. He doesn't want us to go around in the mully grubs all the time and tell everybody about our obstacles in a way that we drag everybody down. I believe that wholeheartedly. But let's not be all spiritual and pretend that everything is just, you know, bliss and everything's, I'm blessed and highly favored, and I believe all that. But everybody, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, meaning there's nothing wrong and everything's great. No, it's not. You're going through a struggle just like I am. It's okay. Let's not, let's not pretend that this life is always just going to be perfect and rainbows. There's, it's going to be a pressure cooker. And when you get through this problem, take a sigh of relief and prepare for the next one. These aren't always the doings of the devil. They're again designed by God. And so let's go to Scripture. And Jesus knew this and understood this because He had to live through some of this. Is this okay? Go with me again to Matthew 11. Now I want you to note something about this chapter. We're going to start in verse 25. And again, for the sake of time, I didn't go through and read all of this chapter, but you can go back and look at some of the things that happened earlier on. Can I give you just a quick Cliff Notes version? It starts with John the Baptist sending his messengers to Jesus, saying, almost trying to ridicule, almost wondering, are you really the Son of God? Are you really the Son of God? Are you the one that came? And Jesus had to kind of deal with almost this mockery and say, you go tell him what's going on and he'll know. Don't let him send people to me trying to question me. Jesus was upset at that. It kind of bothered him a little bit. Then he goes from there and he starts seeing these cities where he had gone and done miracles. Can you imagine? Jesus came to a city and there was blind people and he spoke to the blind people. He touched the blind people and they could immediately see. Can you imagine the fact he went and people who couldn't hear, he just spoke a word and they heard it? Can you imagine the fact he went and saw where dead people literally were laying and he just spoke the word and they came to life? My goodness, I could only imagine if Jesus came to my town and we started seeing that, man, it'd be revival, we'd be excited. How could people not get on board with that? Guess what? They didn't. He went to these cities where they didn't get on. He, he just literally showed them that he had this power. And they still found a reason to say, well, eh, I don't believe it. It wasn't right. He, must have, he did it on a Sunday. That couldn't have been the Lord. You know, things like that. And so he had to curse the cities and say woe to the city so he gets to this part where Jesus again maybe my inference but based on the scripture too Jesus got kind of weary and frustrated anybody ever been weary and frustrated again life uh, you can you may be great and if so I'll let you lay hands on me at the end transfer that anointing on me but I'll be the first one to tell you that life sometimes frustrates me and I'm 
Pastor Bradley, I'm supposed to have the answers, I know, but I'm just being honest. Sometimes just the life and the pressure cooker, and oh, I got to do this, now I got to do this. Oh, you, you guys didn't like the way I did this, and now I got to. It gets frustrating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're now thinking, let's go deeper. I'm just kind of being cynical there. But Jesus, literally, his ministry, him doing what he was called to do, him fulfilling the, the literal will of his Father here on earth, and it's being rejected. Some of you in this room, I know you've been following the Lord long enough that you have discovered a calling and you have stepped out in the ministry and you've done things that the Lord has called you to do. And you know how it feels to give every ounce of energy you can, everything you can, every, everything that you had toward something to try to win someone to Jesus and then it feel like it just flopped. Y'all know how it is to pour into people. People who you knew, you did everything you could to show them love, to show them the love of Jesus. You maybe gave to them and you gave your energy to, to those people and then they just, as soon as it was up or as soon as they could, they kind of went and saw who else they could kind of get something from. Forgot who you were. All of a sudden, you know, somebody else was a little more popular, someone else is a little more, that's who they're going to, does this make sense? That's the pressure cooker we're in in life. And I have a belief that Jesus, even though he was all God, was all human as well. And so if he came to the earth to experience all these emotions and things that we felt, I just have to believe that Jesus in this moment had to have gotten frustrated and was at a moment where he was, he was about to, if that, if that all emotion could have come out, he would have been like what you and I do a lot of times. He would have said, God, I'm done. That's it. I ain't worried about nobody else. It's all about me from now on. That's all the one I can trust. Y'all looking at me like you've never thought that before. It's okay. That's just, just me and that's all it is. And Jesus gets to this point where finally he sort of stops. And I can imagine Jesus in this moment kind of taking a, a breath. And in verse 25 it says, At that time Jesus answered and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now I want you to think about this thought, what Jesus is doing right here. You know what Jesus is doing right here? He is refreshing himself. How many of you know we're all going to get in moments of frustration But how many of you are glad that there's a promise? Jesus was connected to the source. (laughs) He was connected. He had the Holy Spirit. That when he was baptized like a dove, it descended upon him. Y'all remember that? And so Jesus had a connection with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus would tell people that that spirit would be like a river of living water that was constantly flowing on the inside of you that when things got tired and you felt like that you were your, your cup was being poured out and you were running empty, it was a constant stream that you didn't have to worry about that no longer. That constant stream meant that you always had a connection to the source. Are you all with me this, this evening? It was a connection to strength and the power. It was what the Bible called a refreshing, times of refreshing that would come through that water. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, God, I give you thanks. And to make it more refreshing, that's what he does. 
How many of you know that if you feel bad, this is kind of a proverb. We were going at the scripture, but I mean, it's basically a principle that, that a lot of people would, would say, even if they weren't looking at scripture. If you feel bad about an issue in your life, just start looking at things to be thankful for. Amen? I mean, we're entering into that season this, this month where we'll hear a lot about it, but it's, it's true. When, when the enemy's trying to get you discouraged and you're starting to get down in the dumps and you're down in this pressure and this tension that we're constantly dealing with is getting to you and you're feeling frustrated, all I have to do is start thinking, well, this situation is frustrating me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm going under. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if I'll ever get to this point. But here I tell you that I'm still breathing. I'm here to tell you that I still have, have a connection with God. I can still talk to Him. He hasn't turned His ear deaf to me. Amen? I still have the blood of Jesus that's washed me clean. I can't lose that, amen? He's given that to me. I still have the Holy Spirit that's walking with me. I'm thankful for those things. My goodness, I still have legs. I can get up and walk. I still have arms. I can move around. I still have a body that's functioning that I can go and I can make a living. I still have family who are connected to me, who love me, who even when everybody else turns their back, I have two boys who still look at me and somehow think I'm a hero at times. And so no matter what else I'm facing, I start being thankful for that. And guess what happens? All of a sudden, when I've been down in the mully grubs and feeling sorry for myself and in a pity party, I start to feel those waters begin to flow. I start finding that energy starting to come up. And all of a sudden, I'm excited and I feel energized and I'm ready to move on with what God needs me to do. The enemy wants you to allow every circumstance to knock you down and to get you in your feelings, as people would say. I guess people still say that. I know kids were saying that. Oh, they just in their feelings. Get out your feelings and get into thanksgiving with the Lord. Listen, he said, I'm, I'm putting a thanksgiving for this. He said, I'm thankful that you didn't give this to all the wise and the prudent, but you gave it to the babes. In other words, there is a remnant that's coming. I'm here to tell you, I know we talk a lot about previous generations and we've lost generations and there's, there's been failures in previous generations. And I believe the Lord's not done. There's people of all generations that the Lord's ready to bring home. Amen. I think there's prodigals of all ages that the Lord's ready to bring back into His kingdom. Amen. But I'm not going to lament and lose all of my joy on what was lost before. There's still a remnant that's here. And as long as I still see young people and kids who are coming into this church, we're still going to pour into them. And we believe that the greater will be, or the, the latter will be greater than the former. Amen? It may not excite you, but it excites me. My pastor said Sunday, my goodness. The biggest fears I have is that what if this ends with me? What have we done to ensure that this continues? Jesus is saying you gave it to the babes. That ensures that there's something. You still have a remnant that's coming. Amen? He said there's a remnant that maybe they're just babes, but they're to him the things of the gospel reveal. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall be glorious. Note this. We can take great encouragement in looking upward to God when round about us we see nothing but what is discouraging. It's sad to see how regardless most people are of their own happiness, but it's comfortable to think that the wise and faithful God will, however, effectually secure the interest of His own glory. Did you note that? Let me put that in a different perspective here. God is going to have His glory. Our lives were designed to bring Him 
glory. So no matter what we're facing, and when we face those situations where our will isn't what's being done, and again, I hate to burst a bubble, but there will come a point in your life where your will will not be done. Again, we don't like to talk about that a lot. We like the... We like the faith that says, oh, you just name it and say it, and it'll, you know, all that stuff. You just let it all, you can have it all, and the Lord wants you to have And I do believe, listen, there's, there's many things I could sit here and talk about and wax poetic about that the Lord has given me that I didn't deserve. There have been plenty of desires of my heart that He's fulfilled. He does do that, okay? But there's also things that I wanted that I didn't need. And thankfully, the Lord's will was done and He was glorified. And even though I was crushed in the moment, I can look back on my life and say, Oh, thank you, Lord, that you didn't listen to me. Thank you, Lord, that my wisdom isn't what carried that situation. Thank you, Lord, that your wisdom is what prevailed. That's what he's saying here. God's will will still be done. So even if you're mulling and you're complaining and even if you're kind of moping around again as naturally we do because something didn't go our way I'm here to tell you if you're still in step with the Lord he said that your steps are ordered by the Lord so even if your will isn't being done we can rejoice in the fact that God your will was still done that means I fulfilled my purpose songs of praise are sovereign cordials to drooping souls and guess what they're going to do they're going to help cure melancholy when you start feeling down and out you open up your mouth and begin to give the Lord praise you can't help but continue in the state of melancholy you can't help but be energized and feel better amen let us bless the God that it's not worse with us than it is verse 26 he said even so father it seemed good in your sight so I want you to note that Jesus is saying right here, even in he is in a moment where he could have been frustrated at everything that was going on. He was in a moment of tension. He was in a moment where, where the, the stress of, of, of what he was having to bear. Imagine the burden Jesus had to bear. He was bearing all of our sins and he was going to a cross to die for something he didn't commit. So that's a tough burden. It's a tough job. We think sometimes our call, I mean, I think sometimes when I get in situations, I cry to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And then I'm reminded, well, if Jesus could, then I can. But notice what he does. How does he fight that? He goes to thanksgiving. And I want you to know two things about thanksgiving. I want you to know, first of all, who the two ways that he refers to God. Notice that he calls God his Father. When he taught his disciples how to pray, what was the first line? Father who art in heaven. The, the, the posture that we need to remember when we're going to God in thanksgiving, remember that He's your Father. Why is that important? Because He loves you. You're His son. You're His daughter. You're a child of, the, of God. Amen? That means that I'm not just going to some deity who's up there that I'm hoping will feel good about me in, in a capricious manner. Think it, you know, just... Maybe I'll be, it'll be my lucky day. Does that make sense? I've mentioned this before. You study a lot of Greek gods. That was one of the words that always stood out to me when, when I would take world lit classes, different lit classes dealing with mythology. That word capricious, which sort of means kind of whimsical. That means whatever the mood of the god was. So the Greeks, when they would pray to Zeus, they had to hope that Zeus was in a good mood that day. It's kind of like that boss or maybe, don't point fingers, maybe your spouse, you're like, well, maybe if I'm just going to find the right time to ask if they're going to let me buy this. 
You kind of wait till they wake up and you see what the look in the eyes looks like. Nope, not today, not today. Yeah, some of y'all ain't like y'all ain't done that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You wait until kind of the smile's there, the glow's there, they're talking to the kids and it's kind of jovial. Yes, now's my time. That's, that's capricious. Does that make sense? It's based on a feeling or what? The, a lot of these gods that people worshipped back in, in old and pagan days, they were known to be capricious. They were going to go and sacrifice and do what they needed to, but they had no faith whatsoever, obviously because they weren't real, but also for the fact that even if they believed they were real, there was no faith that that God was going to listen to them. Can you imagine living a life where you went to your God, your, your father and you just had the hope that dad was in the right mood at that moment to, to listen or give you any kind of attention? Jesus said a, a, a worldly father, if a kid asked for something to eat, wouldn't give him a stone. How much more would our heavenly father be ready to listen to us and provide for us when we go to him? Is this okay? He's your father. So you're not just going to some being hoping that they're going to feel good and rain. You're going to your dad. You're going to sit in his lap and you're going before him saying, listen, I'm your child. Now again, does that mean that a good father is always going to give you what you want? But he's always going to listen. And whatever decision a father makes, the father is making it in your best interest whether you realize it or not. My goodness, if you could grasp this. So I can have faith in knowing when I go to my Father, I can thank Him for loving me and whatever happens in my life. Yeah, I'm not saying He's going to do what God does and we don't go. But when I go and I ask and give my my petition to Him, He's going to listen. And whatever His answer is, is it going to be something that's going to ill me? It's going to be whatever it is for His glory, for me to fulfill my purpose. Is this okay? So He calls Him Father. But then He said, even so, Father... So it seemed good in your sight. He also called him the Lord of heaven. Not only is it your father, someone that you're in covenant with, someone who knew you from the before you were even formed in your mother's womb, someone who loved you, but he's someone who happens to be the Lord of everything. <laughs> it's one thing I could go to my earthly dad right now, and if he knew I needed something, and it was in his ability to do so, you know what he would do? He would do everything he can to help. You know how I know that? Because I have a relationship with my dad. And even at this point, I'm 37 years old, I'll still randomly get a text from my dad. Son, you need anything? And sometimes I'm like, oh, dad, you're just getting emotional again. I just, you know. But no, he's, he's, he loves his children, so he's checking in. Anything I could do, anything I could pray for. I've been thinking about you. Sometimes I've, I've had a dream that made me think about you, been praying for you about something. Aren't you glad? I mean, I'm thankful that I have a father who's still looking out for me. But let me also be honest. My earthly father loves me, but it, I mean, there's certain things that if I really needed and went and asked him, he, he couldn't do anything about it. Does that make sense? There's limits. He can't supply all of my needs, and there's certain things that he he can pray for and he could do, but he, he just can't... Fit. But when I go to my Father in heaven, not only does He love me even more than my earthly father loves me, but He also has the ability to do anything, far exceeding anything that I could ever ask or think. Isn't that incredible? We just think that God, again, is sort of this capricious thing. No, He's someone who loves you and someone who cares for you. 
Note also that not only did he just give the titles of God there, but think about the things he's thanking God for. He's thanking God for giving and confounding the wise, giving these things to babes and to wise and prudent people. He's not immediately thanking him God for food. He's not immediately thanking God for stuff. He says, God, thank you that you saw fit to give the glory of your gospel to, to, to people who were like babes. In other words, this is what he was saying. There are a lot of men who were very wise on the earth, and they can dive deeply into the mysteries of nature and into the mysteries of state, and they can still be ignorant and be mistaken about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I guess I can steal pastor's line from Sunday, is it all right? There's a lot of people with pieces of paper on their walls that, in his words, are idiots. And it's true. You know, again, I'm in that field and I have some pieces of paper, but, you know, I learned from a lot of people who were missing a very important part of intelligence, and that's the kingdom of God. You can know everything about policy and philosophy and know everything you can think about the way that things may be here on this earth, but if you don't allow God to be God, then all of that intellect is eventually foolishness. Is this okay? He said all of the wise and prudent men of the time, they just had it figured out. They were too smart to say, no, this this can't be Jesus. No, we figured it out. We've reasoned. We talked about it. You can't be really the Son of God. You can't really be the Messiah. You're not doing things the right way. But notice who did get to be with Jesus. Notice who did accept Jesus. The disciples. And who were they? They were just a bunch of good old common folk. Amen? They were just a bunch of commoners. They didn't have, you know, formal education. They didn't come from anywhere of status. We're talking about no scholars, no artists, no politicians, none of the people who would have had an esteemed role of the day. We're talking about fishermen and a tax collector here and just just regular people who, when Jesus said, follow me, they said, okay. I'm here to tell you, this is what I, I have people come to me all the time, and, and even at the beginning of trying to talk about things spiritually and trying to grow spiritually and trying to be where God wants them to be. They'll say, man, I just don't understand all the Bible, man. I just don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know a whole lot. That's okay. Because when you get saved, that's exactly where you need to be, knowing that you have a lot to learn. God's not asking you to have it figured out before you come in. He says, if you say, if you'll start following me and you'll begin, I'll help you figure it out. Let's go to verse 27. Jesus then says this, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him couple things to note in this verse. Jesus is giving us His commission. He was authorized to settle a new covenant between God and man. Again, never forget and continue to understand why Jesus was here. Jesus had a clear purpose. God wanted a new covenant so that we Gentiles and all people could be redeemed and not have to be under the old covenant anymore. Amen? He wanted us to be able to be saved and have eternal life with Him. So Jesus had to carry out this this task. He was commissioned and authorized to settle this covenant. He was the one who was to offer peace and happiness to the apostate world. 
He was the one who was going to be sanctified and sealed as the sole plenipotentiary, the diplomat who was coming to earth to to establish this great affair. Jesus had a job and he had a role. I'm here to tell you, can I tell you something? If you ever feel like, again, this life is getting at you and you start feeling like you're down in the dumps, can I remind you, you have a role, you have a job, you have a purpose. You've been commissioned. You weren't just a mistake here. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but the enemy has told somebody in here that you don't have a purpose and you're starting to wonder why you're even here. I'm here to tell you and and speak to that spirit right now. The Lord designed you. He knew you before you even entered your mother's womb and He commissioned you with a destiny to fulfill here on this earth. And if you're still here, He's not through with you. Not only was he commissioned, I mean, he came with a role, but he also was intimate with the Father. Notice again what it said, no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except... That's intimacy. Intimacy. How do you grow? You have to be intimate with the Lord. You have to have moments where you get caught up in His presence and nothing else matters and no one else's voice matters and nothing else on the agenda matters. I just need to get alone and I need to spend time hearing from God and letting Him touch my life and speak into my life. All powers, all treasures were in His hand. The Father delivered Him uh, all into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us but deliver our all into His hand and the work is done. God made him the great referee, the blessed daysman, to lay his hand upon us both. That which we have to do is to agree to the reference, to submit to the arbitration of the Lord Jesus Christ, to take up his cross and to follow him. Amen? This should give us further satisfaction, and it should give us an abundant one. Ultimately, our our growth, our maturity, what we begin to learn is we begin to learn that this life has really little to do with us. And it has a whole lot to do with what He wants to do through us. That's why the the, the Apostle said, more of you and less of me. That's, That's what he meant here. Ambassadors, they used not to have to only give their commissions, which they produce, but their instructions. Think about it. When a country would send an ambassador to another country to try to strike a deal, to come up with, with some sort of bargain, to either come up with some kind of trade, something to do, In order for that ambassador to be accepted, they had to sort of give that commission. We had to know who sent you here. And not only did the ruler needed to know, it was a way to kind of verify them. Does that make sense? I mean, if if somebody comes to your door tonight and says they're with law enforcement, you're going to want them to present a commission. You better show me a badge or let me know for sure that's who you are, right? But then they also had to give their instructions. Why are you here? which they reserved to themselves to make use of as there is an occasion in their negotiations. So listen, they may be asked for the instructions, but sometimes these, these ambassadors who were having a commission, it wasn't, they didn't need to go spill everything they knew right away. There was going to come a point where there was going to be a negotiation. And the king who sent the ambassador probably told him in his mind, this is ultimately what I'll accept. But if you're going to go and negotiate, anybody who's in sales or business would tell you, you never, you never lead with your, your best offer, do you? Maybe you don't know that, but usually you don't lead with your best offer, right? You try to, to present something that may, and then you always have something to work back to. Does that make sense? 
So that's sort of what the ambassador did. He had instructions. The king said, this is what I'll settle for, but if you can get a better deal, you go ahead. But understand, Jesus had both. He didn't have just authority, but he had ability for his undertaking. In transacting the great business of our redemption, the Father and the Son were the parties principally concerned, and they made the transaction. Amen. How many of you are glad that Jesus came down as the ambassador, and he paid the price so we could be a part of the kingdom now? It's for this reason that in John 16, Jesus can look at his disciples and look at the people who were listening to him, and he could tell them to, you're going to go through great tribulations in this life. He could look at them and tell them, there are going to be great trials that come your way. But you notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, just brace yourself, suck it up, and live with it, did he? He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen? Well, again, this is one of those parts. Of all the words of promises from the Lord, we don't, he, he, we don't like to claim the promise of tribulations a whole lot. <laughs> I don't know anybody I've talked to who, man, I just know the Lord has promised me tribulation and then I'm getting what the Lord promised and we're just going to get through it. Hallelujah. If you know those people, that's great. I don't... Most people are like, how do I get through this? Save me, Lord. But we've been promised. The, the, the beauty, though, is not that God's going to deliver us from them immediately and we're never going to have any, any problems. He's promised us that He's overcome the world. So no matter what tribulation we're going through, we can't take us under. God's with us. Verse 28 leads us to this. He kind of comes to this point. Come to me, all you who labor and are of heavy laden, and I will give you what? Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is... Two ways, or three ways that we have to come to the Lord Jesus. We have to come to the Lord Jesus as our rest. As our rest. We think of rest, obviously we get physically worn down and weary. I'm here to tell you, we all are human. We all are going to, you know, we, we kind of use the adage, we, we, we burn the candle at both ends. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm one of those people too. I, I mean, we have a lot of things going on. We get weary, we get tired. Not just physically through the fact that we're constantly doing stuff, but man, mentally and spiritually we get tired. Spiritually, what do you mean by spiritually? Well, there are times when, man, I pour out and I, I, I pray with people and I help people, but as I call, talked about earlier, there are times when people that we have poured into and poured into and that you know that you've planted seeds for them to, to grow and prosper and be a disciple and you see that they go out and they're living a life that's not what it should be and you know they know better. Man, that'll wear you down. When you spiritually look at a world and, and a place where people know the truth, I'm not talking about the world that's ignorant and hadn't heard the truth. They have an excuse. We were supposed to tell them. You're talking, you know what I'm talking about. The people who know the truth but still refuse to do what's been taught, man, spiritually drains you. You're fighting the enemy and you're, you're coming against his attacks. It drains you. And then, you know, what we usually do is as, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, trying to pour into it, make sure our families are the best. 
It, we get worn down. Am I speaking to anybody? Here's the problem. We don't look at Jesus as the rest. We think that rest is laying all that stuff aside. Let me again be clear. Every single one of us, there's times when we physically and literally need to unplug. <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm all about it. I don't want to sound like I'm putting anybody down who unplug. All of us need time to unplug. Uh, Michael Hyatt's a guy that I read a lot and that I've used a lot of his products. He does a thing called the Full Focus Journal where he kind of helps people who are like me and need some help budgeting my time and making sure I'm... Because there's always time when we're on stage. I know I'm literally on stage now, but on stage when you're in the public and you're working... And then there's your backstage time. You may not be physically working, but you're planning, you're prepping, you're doing all the work for what you need to do. But you better make sure you have some offstage time. Meaning there has to be some time where you unplug and you can let those things go and you can let yourself recharge. Everybody with me? Here's what I'm talking about, though. Say, me as Pastor Bradley, man, I'm tired. I'm not talking about the unplugged time, but man, spiritually, I've been hurt. Man, spiritually... And so the enemy will want to get into Pastor Bradley's mind and tell him, well, if you're this tired, you must not have been cut out for this work, so you should just maybe just lay this down. Can I hear to tell you that that's not rest? That's not rest. Whatever it is that when he gets into your mind and say, no, this isn't what you're supposed to do, and it's literally what God has called you and designed and envisioned for you to do. Again, not talk about unplugging, but you just need to get away from this and lay this down and this need part of you. You just need some new time. I'm here to tell you, you'll be more miserable in that time away from what God's called you to do than you ever were trying to struggle through the process. Does this make sense? You have to let Jesus be your rest. Rest in Him. And also it means not just from the, the weariness of being tired, but we get weary trying to figure out the answer to situations. What Jesus is saying, it, it, once you've done all that you can do, there comes a moment where you just have to leave it in my hands. And you have to rest in knowing that I have it taken care of. Amen? A lot of times we're tired because we keep trying to solve what God wants to solve. That's another sermon for another day. But we also need to come to Jesus Christ as our ruler. That's a tough one. He's our ruler. He's the one who needs to make the decisions and and adjudicate what we're doing in our lives. But the last thing he says is he needs to be our teacher. He needs to be our teacher. Can I ask you a question? What are you learning from Jesus? What are you learning from Jesus? By reading in his life, by studying what he did, by, by, by spending time in his presence, by talking to the Father through Jesus who is our advocate for the Father through the Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit impresses on us. He's he's a part of the God. What are you learning? What did Jesus promise? He said, if we'll come to Him, if we'll say that Jesus, you're going to be my rest. Jesus, you're my ruler. I'm going to submit all of this to you. Jesus, you're my teacher. Help me learn. Then He promised that He would give us a yoke. A yoke. Now, you guys are smarter than I was when I was young and I first I would always just you know not be looking and listening. We didn't have nice screens when I was a kid for us to see what it said and I wasn't always looking at my Bible. So I kept thinking people were talking about like egg yolks. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, I don't want that. I mean, I thought he was cooking a Waffle House breakfast. Your yolk will be over easy. That's what I thought as a kid. I know that sounds silly, y'all. Think, I'm just telling you where I was. 
But I'm thankful as I looked at it, what I meant, a yoke. A yoke, we was talking about a farming tool. I was talking about what oxen. It would, it would be a tool where two oxen were put together. They were tied together and it would pull a plow for them to be able to, to plow and grow crops. It took two oxen to be able to pull all of that plow the way it did. If, if it was only one, it would become way too heavy. That ox would get tired. It would get off balance. It would be like, you know, we drive a car and one tire goes crazy or one side's out of alignment. It would kind of pull the other way. Does that make sense? The rows wouldn't be straight. It wouldn't be good. Understand, a yoke was never for one person. What would always happen was this. An old, experienced ox would always be joined with a new, inexperienced ox. I hope you can grab hold of this tonight. The two experienced ox, oxen weren't put together so they could just become super oxen team and they were just... That's kind of the way I think we would assume it, maybe in our way, right? And we'll let the new, inexperienced ox, we'll put them together and maybe they can figure it out on their own. Jesus was showing something here. You don't, you don't know, but if you'll come get in this yoke with me. I have some experience. I have some things that you need. They would put that inexperienced ox in that yoke and, and for the first little bit, that experienced ox would probably have to pull more of the weight because the inexperienced one was learning the ropes. Does this make sense? The old one would carry the weight as the young one learned to walk in stride. But eventually, what would happen? As that inexperienced yoke or ox began to walk and learn the ropes and learn how to, how to get in stride and learn kind of figure out the process, then both ox, oxen would share the load and they would be able to go on and be fruitful in what it was they were called to do. Here's the problem. You're trying to get into the yoke and carry this thing yourself and it's not going to work. Jesus said, if you'll come with me and let me walk right here beside you, let me show you each step that you need to take. Let me help you carry that load that you keep trying to do on your own. I'm here to tell you, we sometimes read that again and think, well, that means that God's going to take the yoke and we're going to be free and not have to feel any pressure. No, He's not saying that. But He's saying that I'll help you carry that weight and we'll stay in stride and you'll still be able to fulfill the purpose that I have for you. Amen? Jesus was telling us to join in with Him and learn. Listen, rest does not come if you're a fighter. Let me tell somebody this today. The more you fight, the more miserable you're going to be. What do you mean by fighting, PB? The more you fight submission, the more you fight submitting whatever it is that you need to submit to the Lord. You know, I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of things we blame on the, on the devil, but a lot of it, again, isn't devil problems. It's a problem we have in submitting our battles to the Lord. If we'll submit and say, okay, God, because why is it difficult? Well, as we've been talking about, it's hard for me to submit my will to Him because He may ask me to do something that's not in my will. But once I finally got to the point where I said, not my will, but thine be done, and I submitted it, man, that load was lifted and I found rest. I'm able to walk in step with the Lord now and I'm able to carry that that He has asked me to carry. I'm able to, to maintain the calling and the, and the ministry and the roles and the jobs that He's called me to do. Rest will come when you learn that God is in control. I'm going to say that again. Rest will come when you realize God is in control. 
I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I'm not trying to be weird or I just I just felt a check there. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but some of you in here, you you have been in misery. And I'm not talking physical misery, but maybe just your spirit has been restless. You know what I'm talking about. You can't sleep. Seems like you, everything bothers you. You've kind of been in a grumpy mood. And the core of that is simply the fact that you haven't surrendered whatever the Lord is asking you to surrender to. And you're still trying to figure it out when the Lord is saying, if you will come to me, I have the answer. Learn that God is in control and trust Him. And guess what? You'll have peace in your soul. Stress and peace comes when we realize He's in control. Stress, stress will leave and then peace will come. Let me end it with this. Even in times of dire need and uncertainty, when it feels like you're walking in a wilderness without a map. Anyone ever been there? Never just felt like you didn't know what to do, you was wandering around. But even in that moment, while you're maybe in that season, unexpected blessings and divine interventions may await you. Amen? You may think that you're simply seeking survival. Some of you came into this place. I ask how you're doing. I'm making it. We're surviving. That may be your goal. You're struggling, but what you could find, turn your situation completely around, providing not just sustenance, but also restoration and a deeper sense of purpose. You may seem like there's no answer anywhere, but I'm here to tell you, you submit to God and you keep walking and you keep following Him and you do what He's asked you to do, your answer may just be on the other side of this issue. Amen? Never underestimate the possibility of miracles, even in desperate situations. Sometimes the most unexpected outcomes can unfold when you take that step of faith in search of your daily bread. Some of you are thinking, man, the answer's too big. It's, it's too great. I'm too far away. Well, guess what? All it takes is you making one step and you'll be that much closer. Amen. Will you stand with me tonight? Bow your heads with me. Bow your hearts with me. As we end this service tonight, I just pray we and ask for you to allow Holy Spirit to begin to speak to your heart. Come on, right where you are, if you'll just use this time. Let this be a sacred time, just you and God. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I simply want you to allow Holy Spirit to speak to you where you are and to put something into your heart. Somebody in here tonight listening to me, you've been battling a, a season of just weariness. You've just felt tired. Not just again physically, but you just feel like everywhere you go, every, every turn you make, around every corner, there just seems to be something. Maybe even the enemy has convinced you that it's something that you've been doing. Maybe you've been convinced that it's just you know something you can't overcome. I'm here to tell you, you're just battling and going through life. God has designed this trial that you're in right now, or He's designed to use this trial or use this tribulation that you're in right now to develop you into who He is wanting you to be. Tonight, if that's you, you've come into this place and you say, I just, that as we pray tonight, I'm simply asking for you to submit that thing to God. Draw near to Him right here in this moment and He'll draw near to you. Release that thing that you've been holding on to. Whatever it is you've been battling and saying, I can fix this, i got to handle this on my own, God. God's just simply saying, if you surrender that to me, I can give you rest that surpasses anything that you've ever had. Father, I thank you so much tonight for who you are. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for each 
person that's in this room. Father, we thank you, God, for being our Father. We thank you that you have called us your sons and daughters, that you have allowed us through your son Jesus and the blood that he shed to be a part of your kingdom. We thank you that we're a part of the family. We thank you, God, that we have, we have a seat at the table. And Father, we thank you that you're not just our Father who loves us and cares for us and designed us, but Father, you're the Lord of heaven and earth. So Father, there's nothing that we could ever ask. There's nothing we could ever petition. There's nothing we will ever face or ever need that goes beyond your scope and what you can do in our lives. So Father, we come to you today. Whatever it is that that your people are burdened with, we lay it down at your feet tonight. Father, we ask the God of miracles to perform miracles in our lives. Let us not accept ordinary, but Father, let us accept that you want to do great things in our lives. Father, these struggles, these obstacles, these things we've tried to figure out, these things we've tried to answer, these things that we tried to solve that get us tired and weary, and we feel like, Father, we're coming against the wall. Father, we submit those into your hands. No longer are we going to sit here and try to figure it out on our own. Father, we give it to you, and we rest in the fact that our steps are ordered by you. Father, I pray your hand be upon each one that's here tonight. Father, let there be miracles that come out of this place tonight. Let there be provision. Father, I pray that you send rest to weary souls tonight. Father, I pray that you'll send peace into their hearts. Father, for those who have had trouble sleeping, Father, those who have been restless, Father, those who have been been struggling, God, just in their mind, and it feels like there's been a storm, I pray and speak peace be still in Jesus' name to those spirits. And I pray, God, that your rest and your peace will envelop them. And as that happens, Father, that you'll remind them that you love them and that you're taking care of every situation. We thank you for what you have done and what you're going to continue to do in Jesus' name. And everybody in this place say amen and amen. God bless you. Go give the devil fits this week. We'll see you Sunday.